Welcome to Act Two by Choosing Him Ministries with Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate, a place where life stories are told, encouragement is shared, and hope is found. Good morning, listeners. We are so excited to have you guys with us today. We have Melissa Swain with us this morning. Good morning, Melissa. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. It's so great to be here with you guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time. And I've known, Melissa, it's been, I don't know how many years it's been since y'all were at church with us. It's been a while. But um, Melissa and her family have been just an integral part of many people's lives. They have um, walked this road that God's called them to uh, with open hands and open hearts. Um, It was obvious from the first time that I've met you and your husband, Chris, just the heart that you have for discipleship, the heart that you have for... um, leading others to Christ. And um, it was just very inspiring at that time when um, when we got to know you. So I'm very thankful that at some point our, our lives did cross and our paths did cross. And um, I'm very anxious to talk with you this morning and just see what God's been doing through the years with y'all. So you want to yeah. tell us about yourself and your family um, and lead us up to now? Yeah, so um, right now it is um, me and my two kids, uh, Cademan is 15 and has just started driving, which is mm, mm, slightly frightening when you live in Nashville. Yes, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or anywhere, but especially when you are faced with Nashville traffic. Um, and then Honor is 11. Um, I think she stops talking maybe while she's asleep. Maybe. <laughs> um, and I would be in trouble if I did not mention our English bulldog, yes. Emmett who is Honor's BFF and Aww. everyone's shadow. Um, he has been uh, an unexpected blessing for us the mm-hmm. last year. Um, about a little over a year ago, um, my husband Chris passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. And we had been married almost 23 years um, and had been in ministry together that whole time. Mm-hmm. And so we lived all over the place and been... Um, been all over the place together and done all kinds of ministry together. Um, but, um, so losing him has been probably the most difficult thing I have ever done and dealt with. And I hope it is the most difficult Mm -hmm. thing. Like I, I really hope that that's the hardest thing I ever have to do. So now, um, we still homeschool and, um, so my kids are here all the time. (laughs) except for when they're not, when I've driven them places. Um, And I work from home. I'm an editor um, and a writer. And so um, I'm I'm here, I'm doing the things, and we just do the next thing. Yeah. Mm. That's, you're right, a very hard journey, and I do pray that that is the hardest thing you have to go to. Um, Before Chris passed, y'all were working on a project together. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that project. It was really something that the Lord had laid on his heart because um, Chris always had an incredible heart for discipleship. Mm -hmm. He didn't grow up going to church. And so when he became a Christian at 16, um, it really was discipleship that made a difference in his walk with Christ because he didn't know what it looked like to follow Jesus at all. He, He had no clue. And so people bringing him alongside and teaching him, hey, this is this is what this looks like day-to-day in the big things and the small things. And so discipleship was super important to him because of his personal walk, but also because he didn't see that um, in a lot of the student families that we ministered to, that parents just didn't know Mm -hmm. how 
to disciple their kids. They want to, they just don't really know how. And so he never could find the book that he wanted for himself that really told him, here's what you need to do. Here's how to do this. Here are the things that you need to make sure you don't miss. And so the Lord laid it on his heart. Hey, you can't find that because it's not out there yet. You need to be the one to write it. So he began writing that. And um, as the editor, um, I fixed things (laughs) when he (laughs) would send it to me. (laughs) Hey, check this out. We would talk through things um, and, you know, say, hey, maybe you should say this instead of that. Or don't forget to put that in there. And and it, it was always meant from from our side, it was always meant to be his book. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be his thing with his name on it, and I'm just there hanging out with him, you know, pushing from behind, you know, yeah. like support and just doing my thing. That's that's what I prefer to do is just kind of stay back in the shadows and cheer you on from the sidelines and be like, yeah, go do your <laughs> thing, yeah. And um, and so as he was laying in the hospital unresponsive and I'm standing there with honor she said mama you have to finish daddy's book Mm. and you know mom mom mode is in full gear and I was like "Mm, we'll we'll talk about that later let's that's something else that's that's for later we'll (sighs) deal with that later and honor never deals with anything later it's always right now (laughs) He said, no, mama, you have to promise me that you'll finish daddy's book because we have to finish it and it has to be done and you are the one to do it. And I said, okay, babe, we'll do it. (laughs) So here we are, um, our poor, our poor publishers, they have been, um, fantastic. I mean, they're, they have been so kind and so supportive. And, um, when I emailed and said, Hey guys, um, y'all are stuck with me because I'm not going anywhere and, and I'm, I really want to do this. They, they said, okay, let's do it. And, um, and so they, they've really been so gracious and so kind to allow me even to just step in and, and kind of say, Hey, here's, here's what I want to do. That's amazing. And to have both of your perspectives in this book Mm -hmm. woven throughout it is, um, is really incredible because you're right. Parents don't know how to disciple their kids because working in women's ministry, women don't know how to disciple themselves or to be discipled or even to disciple each other. Like it it seems like such a commonplace word, but it it is very complicated. When it's really not, it's a very simple, but we make it very complicated. Yeah. We all have different definitions of it. And so when, when you, when you distill it down to like, what does it really mean? You know, a lot of us, like I grew up thinking that discipleship was going to a class on Sunday night. Okay. You know, like the okay. the extra class that you did on Sunday night before church, you know, like that, that was called discipleship. Right. That's really not what that is. And so you can think that you are being discipled when that's really not the way Jesus did it. That's, that's not what he calls that. Okay. So let's start from that vantage point here. So how would you describe discipleship? So we're all starting from the same page. Yeah. So like Jesus showed us what discipleship looks like, right? Like he hung out with his 12 guys. That was basically his small group. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then he had his three that he spent the most time with that he poured into that. He really was like, um, 
hey, no, that's that's not how we're going to do that. This is how we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Take Come with me to pray. Jesus took them everywhere he went. Come with me and do this with me. And so Jesus not only taught them and said, hey, I'm, I'm telling you guys what God has told me, but he showed them and did it with them. Come with me to pray. Come with me when I do this. Come and be with me in this every day, in everyday situations, and let's live this life together yeah. and do this thing together. Yeah. Um, I know we've brought this up a couple times, but I've been watching the movie series called um, The Chosen, mm-hmm. and I've gotten a glimpse of exactly that, how Jesus took the disciples, and they just did life together. And I don't think it ever dawned on me before then, just looking at the parables and the lessons that Jesus taught each one of them, they were tangible things that they could see or were experiencing in that moment that Jesus made a life lesson about so that mm-hmm. they could really comprehend and understand mm-hmm. it. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's just you do life together. And I'm sure that that's kind of what led into your book of, you know, how do we disciple our kids? Well, we we teach them as we go. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's it's making the those moments that you already have, it's making them intentional. Yeah. It's being intentional with that time that you already have because – Listen, we already have a lot of time with our kids. We, I mean, yes, we're busy. And yes, we're running back and forth to things. But I have 10 minutes between here and jujitsu drop-off. And if I am intentional with those 10 minutes, then that's 10 minutes that I'm redeeming. And I can spend those 10 minutes with my kid. And then he's like, please, no more. No, don't make me say any more words. But but I'm I'm being intentional with that time. And I'm getting to to talk with him, to invest in him and to like, you know, hear back from him in a way that he might not be willing to, or feel like he has the freedom to speak to me otherwise. Yeah. I love those car, car conversations mm-hmm. when they're mm-hmm. trapped and they can't get away from you. And you yes. can ask yes. questions. <laughs> I literally, I grieved when my daughter started driving to school and I didn't get to take her because I had this, this captive call, you know, um, conversation is captive audience to be able to ask her about her life and she would just talk talk in the car and um, so when she didn't need me to do that and she drove herself um I really had to become intentional with conversations because those times you are just exchanging information back and forth Mm -hmm. if you're not intentional and saying let's let's talk right what's been going on in your world today yes um and although all that has changed now that they're in college and she's having to learn how to defend her faith. Um, mm-hmm. It's a whole different conversation. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about your book and how it came to be. Why was it important to you to finish this book? Besides what Honor said, which is I b- really believe said, is that the Holy honor, Spirit speaking yeah, to her. Besides Honor being my Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> um, yeah, she she's pretty good at that actually. Um, the Lord speaks through her more than she knows. Mm. Um, She's, she's a, a pretty sweet little kid. Um, but it was important to me to finish it because if I need this book, somebody else is too. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we who have been in ministry basically our entire adult lives don't know what we're doing and we're, and we're still trying to figure this out and like, what are we supposed to do? What does this look like? Then that means other people are asking those same questions. Mm-hmm. And so really my prayer for this book and Chris's too, is that 
it will change the legacies of families. Right. That that parents who want to disciple their kids can pick this up and have help in doing that. And then when their kids are released out into the wild, you know, this this world that that is so crazy, that they have that biblical foundation written on their hearts mm-hmm. and they know where to turn when they need answers. And it and it's not just borrowing mom and dad's faith. It's right. not just, well, if I was at home, mom would say this. No, it's it's okay, mom is mom and dad have taught me this is where I go for answers. Right. I turn I turn to the Bible and and I can and pray and listen for the Holy Spirit and and really have ownership of that faith by the time we launch them into the world. Oh, that that's incredible. Because I don't think most parents start out thinking that way. We're we're like planning what food you're gonna take, what what hobby they're gonna be involved in and we think those are the most mm-hmm. important. What team are you gonna mm-hmm. be in? What club are you gonna do and what church are we going to, it's all about to do, not necessarily who you want to be. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a fundamental shift in perspective for as parents, even as Christian parents, I think sometimes mm-hmm. we miss the mark. And um, even recently with college or with graduating high school, I was asked to do a um the convict the oh my goodness, I lost the word. Um, the commencement speech? Anyway, one of the talks before they graduate, <laughs> and I, the guy just gave me this phrase. It's like, don't everybody ask you what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm just like, that's not the question we should be asking. Is who do you want to be? Yeah. Do, you know, because what I do, God can change a million different ways, but who I am is gonna be the greatest challenge because I don't want to be me. I want to be Christ-like, yeah. and I want to keep growing to become more like Him. And um, that has been my prayer for my daughter. She has left our home, left the covering of our influence of knowing every conversation and, and being able to steer that. Um, yeah. has, you know, what you graduate with in your degree doesn't really matter to me because you'll probably change your career anyway. Right. But your foundation and learning how to defend your faith, knowing what you believe and being able to have a response to people that think differently based on the word of God is what I want mm-hmm. for you. And I've been, we were talking last night, she started a small group with the girls in her hall um, and they're studying through John. And she said, mom, I've got some professors that are really contradictory to the word of God. And she said, she keeps asking me these questions and we're going through it. But she said, I'm going to get this group and we're going to make sure that we understand exactly what is right theology based on the word of God. Great. So I wish I'd had y'all's book (laughs) when she was little. But maybe we got something right. So let's talk about this book because a lot of parents would need something that was very uh, tangible. We need a guide. And everybody says, if my kids could come with a um, how-to book, uh, I could do a whole lot lot more things better. But Mm -hmm. I think this might just be it. So let's talk. Well, I mean, and as you were saying, like, you know, we pray for our children and we kind of try to, you know, what are they going to do? How are they? And you do lay those at God's feet. But how can we develop, like, within our children, like, an effective practice of prayer? Mm-hmm. Like, is that part of your book, and what does that look like? Yeah, that's one of the elements that, that we lay out here in the book. Um, prayer is one of those. Um, I don't know about you, but I pray a lot like my parents because they're the ones who taught me to pray. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
So as our kids learn to pray, they're going to pray a lot like we do. Well, if they never see us praying or if we don't pray with them, how are they going to learn that? Mm. So we have to hold ourselves to like, we have to put our own feet to the fire and step on our own toes here because we have to model these things for our kids. Mm. And so when we pray with them, not just for them, but when we pray with them in all kinds of circumstances, not just at the dinner table and not just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, for my, my friend's hurt toe or whatever else is on their heart, that those things are important. But when we really model for them prayer and teach them to pray by doing it with them, then they learn to experience that for themselves and they learn how to talk to God and not what they should say in a formula way. Right. Yes. So tell us about the elements um, of this book. What are some fundamental things about discipleship that you want people to take away from this book? Okay, there are six elements that we address here in the book. Great. Right? Love, prayer, connection, scripture, accountability, and rest. And these are the six elements that we build on. There's acronyms for all of them because Chris was a huge acronym guy. And so, um, so they're, they're practical steps. Like he, we lay out, like, here's the deal. Here's why this is important. Here's how Jesus modeled these things. And here are practical things that you can do right now, today, this week to take steps in this relationship with your kids and start right now discipling them no matter how old they are you can start when they're two or you can start when they're 12 or 15 or even if they're 20 you can still apply Mm -hmm. these things in your relationship with your kids i love that yeah i don't think you ever step down from being a parent no matter their age no (laughs) it just changes the role changes but you never you never get to hang up that parenting hat so one of the things you mentioned was accountability and keeping your children accountable. And so oftentimes times that is considered a negative thing, like, oh, like I'm going to have to call you out on something. But why is, it, why is it important, like in your opinion, to hold your children accountable and make them understand that? And how do we approach that as parents without it being something where your kids are like, gosh, you're always on my case. You're always holding my feet to the fire. Why are you always calling me out? So what does that look like? So if we, well, we approach accountability a little bit differently. Okay. Um, Our world says, our culture says, well, accountability is, um, it's not kind. It's Mm -hmm. not, um, it's not fun. And it's harsh, right? You harsh someone's vibe. That's funny. You know, like, no, that's, that's not true. If we approach accountability in the way that we should approach it, um, it is not just, Hey, pick up your socks. Hey, pick up your socks. Uh, did you pick up your socks? Yes. We, yes, we have to do that. I had to do that this morning. In fact, um, excuse me, Pat, please. <laughs> Please handle that. Yes, we have to do those things. But when it comes to accountability with our kids, we need to look at it a little bit different. Um, In the 12-week year, the author talks about holding um, others capable. Mm. So if we look at this as 
holding them capable for what we know they are capable of and what they know we are capable of, then that changes your perspective, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, I want the best for you. And the best for you means that I have to say, Hey, are you, are you, did you handle that? Are you doing this every day? Did you, you know, are you talking to God? Like, can, let's do this together. Um, it also means that it's a two way street. So if I give, I'm, I'm, there are things that are not appropriate for my kids to hold me accountable for just because I'm the mom. Like that's, that's just the way that works. But if I say to my daughter, Hey, um, I want to walk a mile every day this week. Will you hold me accountable for that? That shows her that she also has the authority to say, Hey mom, did you do what you were supposed to today? Mm -hmm. And so when we are back and forth with that, showing them that this is, both and it's them and me Mm -hmm. and we are allowing them to speak to us and we in in a respectful way obviously um and hold us accountable for things that we should be accountable for then when we really come to them with something more difficult then it's not as hard because they're used to that accountability they understand that it is for their benefit Mm-hmm. And that we are really coming to them because we know they are capable of more, not because we want to make them do what we want them to do. I love that. Wow, that's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I love that switching from accountable to what are you capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, yeah, positive. exactly. And the fact that you give your mm-hmm. child authority, mm-hmm. I think so oftentimes as parents, we do struggle with wanting to be the power up here and not necessarily helping our children to learn how to be authoritative in their own relationships. Um, And, you know, they start everything and learn everything with how they interact with their parents. So the fact that you give them that two-way street of, of, hey, I can can hold you accountable in some areas and this can be a back and forth situation, I think would really Mm -hmm. teach a child how to not only grow spiritually, but also be able to hold like their friends and their future um, relationships in like accountability. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. It is. It is something that we do for because we love each other, mm-hmm. right. right? I'm not gonna let my kid run out in the street without looking because that's dangerous. So I'm gonna say. Hey, did you stop and look before you ran across the street? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Great. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm fully back. aware. I saw that car, mom. <laughs> yeah. You mean you, you mean you ran across the street when you saw that car coming? Let's have a conversation about that. But if you didn't, come back and do it again. And do it. Let's do it the right way. Right. Yes. Right. So we as Christians, I think, might might say it is important to live a good Christian life. It's important to model what a Christian walk would look like, but you're switching gears a little bit and you're saying it is actually critical to get this right and to disciple our kids for the small amount of time that we have. What would you say to the person who says they're a Christian, not very grounded and deep in their own faith, why it is so critical to disciple, to learn what that means, and then to disciple their children. We all want the best for our kids, right? 
I mean, I, I don't know of any parent who says, eh, good enough is good enough. I mean, maybe when we're letting them have cereal for dinner, that's fine, but not for like real life stuff. We all want the absolute best for our kids. And so if we think about what that best means, it doesn't mean, like you said before, it doesn't necessarily mean the best job. It doesn't mean the best house. Those are great and wonderful things. And I hope that my kids have those one day, but I want my kids to have God's word in their hearts. I want them to follow after Jesus. And so if they do that in their lives, then that is going to make the biggest impact on them of anything else. Mm -hmm. And so that is why that is the, of the biggest importance. And I cannot do that for them. There are things that other people can do. There are, um, there are lessons that other people can teach our kids. Somebody else is teaching my kid geometry right now. And I am <laughs> thankful, <laughs> so thankful for that. I get it. <laughs> I, but nobody else can teach my kid to follow after Jesus like I can. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do that. So that is my responsibility to do as a parent. It is, it is my charge. God gave us that charge. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he said, go therefore and teach all nations. Well, you can't go and teach all nations if you haven't taught that in your own home. That's right. So true. That is, that is empty. If, you're, if you go to another continent, I mean, yes, that's awesome. We should do that. But if we're not doing that in our own homes, then we're fake when we go somewhere else and start telling people they should be following Jesus. If we're not telling the people in our own homes, how to follow Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. You also use the term vulture culture in your mm -hmm. book, I believe, um, where it's focusing our children on hard work rather than faith. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. world we live in right now. As we just talked about, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. um, and our kids, they are very highly influenced, especially if they're not homeschooled and they're in the public school system, yes. um, which is a nightmare right now. Um, just the influence that the culture has on that. How do we protect our kids and teach them in a different way from where the culture is really trying to impress and confuse and gray the line of what's truth and what's not? Mm -hmm. That's so hard. Even, I mean, my kids are homeschooled and they are still influenced by culture because you cannot get away from music and TV. I mean, mm -hmm. you could banish all of those things from your life, but you can't, you can't live and not be exposed to culture. I mean, we were in a store the other day and my daughter leans over to me and she's like, mom. And I was like, I know. Let's talk about it later, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Honor's like, no, mom, this is important. Let's talk about this right now. <laughs> yes. I, I get the tug, you know, the sleeve yes. tug. Mom, I like, love it. Yes, I know. Let's talk about it later. So like you, you cannot get away from all the world has to offer because it is right there in your face, no matter where you are. And yes. I want to be clear that Culture itself is not bad. The Lord has used culture mm -hmm. to bring us fantastic things like, like the chosen, like beautiful art and music. And I mean, things that we love and appreciate and that, that are glorifying to God. So culture itself is not evil. 
but I think the way we allow it to seep into our lives definitely can try to steal our kids away. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have all seen vultures on the side of the road doing, doing the thing that they do Mm -hmm. best. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you drive back by the next day and what was there before is gone. Mm -hmm. It's the same way. If we do not um, specifically engage with our kids in the areas of entertainment, education, sports, and information that are bombarding them all the time and us, then that vulture culture will steal away what we thought we had. We have to be intentional about that all the time. And that, that looks different for everybody. Um, I know people who don't allow their kids to watch uh, the same shows that I allow my kids to watch. But at the same time, I'm not just turning my kids loose and saying, do whatever you want. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Like we watched something the other day and there was something in it that was contrary to what we believe. And so I paused it and I said, what'd you think about that? And that's all the permission that that child needed to just (laughs) tell me what we think about that. And so like, we can, we can, in those moments, what does the Bible say about that? What does Jesus say? What, 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 how should we respond in this way? And so that, that might mean that, okay, we need to take a break from that or we don't need to engage with that anymore. But it might also mean, hey, let's, let's discuss what this means and how we should approach these things that we might not be able to get away from. That's really beautiful. Yeah really beautiful one of the things that you talk about was how does talking about the disconnect between what we say and what we do as parents help our kids to understand the journey of repentance and forgiveness oh my gosh I I don't know about you but um, when you send your kids to school for the first time um, it's a little bit terrifying when you have a child who has no filter and will tell everyone everything you've done at your home ever right (laughs) <laughs> yeah she takes a magnifying glass and a magnaphone magnaphone with her right yes <laughs> megaphone, they sorry. see they see everything uh-huh. they know mm-hmm. everything so they know if you really are who you say you are absolutely and if we are not who we say we are in our homes when we go out in public and if we if we are someone else when we are out with our friends or we are someone else when we are out with them in public, (coughs) then what does that say to them? Like, how, how do we reconcile that? Mm -hmm. We have to be so transparent with our kids. Now that doesn't mean that we tell them everything because not everything's appropriate for them, but we have to be transparent with our kids. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, this is hard for me. I mean, These are words that as parents, Mm -hmm. we do not like to say because we want to pretend that we have all the answers (laughs) and we know all the things Mm -hmm. and admitting to our kids, I don't know what to do in this situation right now. So I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to seek some counsel of someone who has been here before or who Mm -hmm. has walked this road or um, I'm going to ask somebody to pray for me that I would have wisdom. Like these are things that as we, Um, do this in front of our kids. And as we are real with them, they see this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, that, that we're not perfect and that's okay. Right. That's a hard thing because 
think it would be fair to say we weren't taught that either from our parents mm-hmm. to say, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, please forgive me. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're only about maybe two generations away from kids are seen and not heard. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus we're going to have a conversation, come sit at the table with us. There was always a kid's table and an adult table. Yeah. There wasn't much interaction between the two. Um, but this generation, I, I love that, that we were able to bring the kids up, um, and just have real conversations and to invite them into our lives that we're not just saying there's a separation between who you are and who I am and you can't cross that line. And we're bringing them along like Jesus did the disciples and let's do this life together. Yes. Yeah. Um, so talking, we're talking about our kids, how to disciple them. What, what does a family discipleship plan look like? So there are so many different ways you can disciple your kids, but Chris put together and it's in the back of the book. We have um, some resources for free um, to download on our website too. Um, And it just walks you through each of the elements we talk about in the book. You can do them once a week, once a month, once a year and rotate or, you know, rotate through on a yearly plan. And you just have to focus on one thing at a time. So if it is the week that you're focusing on love, maybe you find out your kids love languages. And I don't mean like sit down and have a Bible study with your kids. You can do that if you want. What I did to find out my kids love languages was play. Would you rather? Okay. Hey, would you, would you, okay. Would it show you more love if I helped you with one of your chores or if I brought you a candy bar when I picked you up at school? So like we're acts of service or gifts mm-hmm. like that they have no idea if I said, Hey, would you rather an act of service? Or would you rather <laughs> time? Okay. Like they would look at me like, mom, you've lost your mind, which maybe <laughs> I have, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there right now. <laughs> that's a whole other so conversation I, from the discipleship plan. <laughs> that's, that's for a different time. But I found out that I have, which I thought I knew, but I solidified with my kids. I have an active service kid and I have a quality time kid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so with my acts of service kid, if we're in the kitchen together and they're unloading the dishwasher, I can just say, Hey, hand me the silverware and I'll do that for you while I'm standing here. Mm-hmm. And that shows specifically love to that kid mm-hmm. in a way that that kid best receives love. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is one of the tiny, simple things that I can focus on this week while we're focusing on love. And it, it takes no extra time for me. It only takes just a little bit of extra intentionality in the moments that I'm already there. Mm-hmm. That's so great. So, Melissa, this is a very practical book, um, one that I hope all of our listeners will go in and get, if, whether you're a mom or you're a grandmother or whatever it is that you can pass off and mentor the younger ones. um, And I look forward to reading it as well, even as my children are in their twenties now are almost there. But from a personal um, perspective, people that are packed with time might say, I don't have time to do this. Mm -hmm. You're sitting here now as a single mom, Mm -hmm. having lost your husband and who's taking care of two kids and raising them in a godly way you have found the time and have made it a priority to be intentional. What encouragement would you give 
to women who might be in a season that you're in right now with young children at home trying to raise them um, without the support of other adults around? Yeah, so there are so many parents who don't have the support of another parent, either because of work schedules or that's just the way your life is. Like you, you may be the sole discipler in your family. That doesn't mean that you are ineffective or that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it might mean that you have to give yourself a little grace, um, which I am not good at. I, I am terrible at giving myself grace, mm-hmm. but I have had to learn that, you know what, I can't do everything and that's fine. I'm going to focus on the most important things. And once I looked at the priorities, you know, maybe my floor doesn't get like actually cleaned this week. Maybe it's just the robot vacuum and that has to be good enough because I'm going to spend this time focusing on my kids. Um, you, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be extra things on your calendar. Once you know how to focus on those six elements, you, and, and look at doing one at a time. You don't have to pick it up and try to do everything all at once. You're not going to drink from a fire hose, okay? You're going to start where you are today with the kids you have and the time and space you have in your own life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once you begin that, it becomes more natural. It becomes the way your mind already works. Um, it is. It is, and it calls us to step up our own spiritual life because Mm -hmm. in order to model these things for our kids, we have to be doing them ourselves. Absolutely. And that, that's the challenge right there. Yeah. In in a nutshell is that before Mm -hmm. we can teach, before we can do, we have to be doing that in our own life and our personal walk with Jesus. And um, so that, that would be probably our number one takeaway today Mm -hmm. is that in order to be the parent that God's called us to be, we have to be the child that he first made us to be his own. Yeah. And God did not call us to be perfect. No. Right? We are not perfect. There have never been any perfect parents ever. Jesus is the only perfect person who's ever walked this earth and he did not have children. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anybody say oh that. Oh my gosh, that's so that great. <laughs> So that is, that is permission right there to not Uh, pressure yourself to try to be perfect because it's not going to happen and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a a lot of good stuff. And I'm telling I'm so proud of you is the right word to say, but just, just proud of you for taking this mantle and running with it and using your platform now that through the pain, um, to have a real purpose to share God's intention of what he created us to be, the family that he wanted us to have to point our children to him. And yeah. it's not been an easy road for you this past yeah. year and a half. Um, my heart still hurts for y'all. I lost my dad at a very young age. My mom was about your age and we've lost mutual friends recently too. And mm-hmm. just getting to the age where we're at, um, and realizing that our time is limited and that mm-hmm. nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. every day that we wake up, if it's not filled with intention, then it's filled with waste. Yes. And we don't, we can't afford that. We were left here. We were put here for a purpose to share who Jesus is. And it's got to start in our homes. It's got to start mm-hmm. with our spouse. 
It's got to start with our kids and with the family that God picked for us and gave to us. And then it goes out to others. And if we can, at the end of the day, say, I did that well, mm-hmm. that's what we've been called to do. And that's yeah. the most important. And it is not because you're sitting there with a perfect life. Right. It's not because we've got it <laughs> no. all together. And it's not because <laughs> our lives have been easy. But actually, yeah. I think it would be, we know the importance of it because of the hard road that we've had to walk mm-hmm. and the realization of life's just short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. When we begin with the end in mind, mm-hmm. it changes our perspective. And I'm so grateful that Chris did not have the attitude of, I'll wait until my kids get to this point. Or, you know, he didn't have some imaginary line in his mind that he was going to have the kids cross before he invested in them or taught them things. Mm -hmm. Um, He was intentional with them every day. And I'm so grateful that, um, that he was that way. And, you know, yes, I can look back on that now and say, oh, that's such a big deal, but it would still be a big deal even if he was still here. Mm -hmm. And one sweet thing that you do that I love watching is you take your kids' pictures every Sunday before y'all go to church in your yeah. kitchen. And was that something y'all started when they were little? We did. We started that um, several years ago. I can't even remember. Um, I think Chris started that as a way to um, send a photo to his mom every week, maybe. Um, and he traveled a ton at the time. Like it was one of those things that he may or may not have been home. And um, I mean, he was on the road a lot during those days. And so every Sunday morning, he just started, um, hey, let's get a picture while you're, while you're dressed up, while you're dressed nice. Because, you know, when you homeschool, you probably <laughs> wear pajamas half the time. Who knows what you're going to be wearing, you know, and you're wearing real clothes today. Let's take a picture. And, and so he began posting that on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and hashtagged at church time. And so that has been one of those things that we have done every Sunday since then. I mean, it is super rare that we don't have a church time picture oh, of, of some kind. So um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's one of those things that we did together. I had a reminder on my phone because he got up and left early mm-hmm. every Sunday morning. And so he would, he would text me, I need a church on picture. Hurry. Aww. I need a, I need a picture. And so like I had a reminder on my phone, he had one on his. And so I would take the picture and send it to him and he would post it. And so, so now I'm the one taking the picture and posting yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's one of those things that we have continued because it was important to us to continue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was really sweet to me because I did follow you all through losing Chris and it was I'm pretty sure the week after that he had passed you posted a picture of the kids and yeah. Yeah. and for me it really it really spoke to my heart because people watch other Christians when they go through hard times mm-hmm. and it's kind of like well is your walk going to match your talk now right you know the, mm-hmm. those eyes come out to see how is this person going to respond to their world being turned upside down or how are they going to respond to a time in their life when Jesus did not come through for them from their perspective, mm. which we know that he, he always will. Um, yeah. but to even to see something that is so could be considered mundane or just commonplace, but was so intentional because it became a part of your everyday or every weekly routine that continued. Yeah. 
um, it's a way that you poured back into your kids during that time and said, you know, the little things that we do every day mount to a really big perspective and a really mm-hmm. beautiful book at the end of the day um, of our life. And yeah. um, it was just, it was sweet for me and to see you continue that um, and to be able to watch your kids um, continue to grow too. But, um, and I, and I guess from me growing up without a father who was a pastor too, um, I don't know, it's just really beautiful to watch God redeem sometimes things that were lost to know yeah. that he's in the middle of it, regardless of how hard it is, uh, that way he's still trustworthy, he's still faithful, and we still yeah. have a purpose for every moment that we're here. Yeah, and that's that's one of the conversations that we've had um, a lot is, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm one of those people that I may err on the side of saying too much to my kids sometimes because um, we have never believed in um, not telling them things like there are things that we don't tell them because it's not appropriate for them, but, but I'm going to be transparent with them as much as I can. And through the last 14, 15 months or so, I have said to them, I don't know how many times, I don't know why this is, Mm -hmm. I don't know why God chose this for us, but we are still here because there's a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what that is today. Today I'm doing the next thing. And that means that today you need to do the next thing. And we don't have to have some huge giant revelation and like light beaming down on us and like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do with my whole life now. Right. That That's not going to happen probably right. <laughs> unless you're, you know, in a Disney movie, <laughs> which I am not. <laughs> there are no animals who come and play my house. But but we can do the next thing. Yeah. We can take the next step that God has has for us, and as we do that, we draw closer to Him, mm-hmm. and we can we can continue on in those things like church time photos, yeah. because yeah. that helps us take our next step. That helps us remember how we got here and who's taken us forward. That's beautifully stated, Melissa. I want to thank you for your time today. I know I'll be processing a lot of what you've said um, after we get off, but um, I know that every listener that heard this today will be inspired, and I pray that they'll be challenged to not think of the, we might consider the lesser things um, lesser important because they're not. Yeah. Um, they are actually probably the most important. It's the little yeah. things. Absolutely. That's yeah. Nice. We, we, what our goal is, is just like the book title says, we want God to write his word on their hearts. Yeah. Melissa, how can people purchase your book, uh, learn more about you? Mm-hmm. Do you have a website? Is it on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, we do. The book is everywhere books are sold. So wherever okay. you like to buy books, you can you can find it. It's um, Write It on Their Hearts. And that's the name of our website, too. We have um, a ton of free resources there to download. Um, we have free wallpapers and lock screens so that you can, like, throw that element of love up on your phone. And so every time you look at it, you're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be ah, doing. This nice. Okay. Nice. Um, like that. Because... I pick up my phone a million times a day. So that that's an easy reminder for me. Um, we've got 
um, links there to purchase and um, you can find the links to our socials there as well. Perfect. Thank you. We'll definitely have those in the notes mm-hmm. too. Um, I'm going to leave this with this one quote that someone said about Chris. Um, everything Chris believed about not wasting one's life, making the most of the time we have, and leaving a legacy long after we're gone was realized on July 15th, the day he went to be with Jesus. He practiced everything that he presents in his book. He didn't write as an ivory tower theologian, propped up in a monastery secluded in the world. No, he shares from experience as a fellow pilgrim on the journey of parenthood, figuring it out along the way. And I love that because this book, you, his kids, his faith journey, they are his legacy. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, for being a part of this. And now this is part of your legacy too. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank Thank you you for being here. Um, And listeners, as we always say, whatever your journey is, whatever your story is, own it, share it, and let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye, guys.